0: And there was this area, this wilderness preserve, the, the Boundary Waters, and it's called the Boundary Waters because it's right on the border with Canada. And um, we, we would take these kids up there, and we would camp, and we'd fish, and we'd be there a whole week. But part of the trick with this was you were, you were on your own. I mean, once you hit the water, you know, if you, if you got hurt, you paddled back. you know, or, or you hope for the best. You know, if you got homesick you, you know, kind of sucked it up and went through it because there weren't weren't any making phone calls and nobody was coming to get you. Um, It was, was, you know, proper out there wilderness. And it was possible. And we went, uh, during the years that I went there, probably five or six, um, during the five or six years that I went, I, I, maybe half the time, we would go most of the week without seeing other people. Um, And so one of the things I discovered, we would take these kids, and most of them were city kids and, and you know, gang members and you know, drug addicts and stuff like that, and we'd take them out. And one of the, one of the things I'd noticed was there were two types of kids You know, by the end of the week, right? You would, you would be out there, and a lot of times it would be cold and rainy. Or even if the weather was nice, you know, you're still sitting on the ground and you're cooking everything over the fire, and there, there are these like, funny-looking birds in Minnesota. They're, they're called mosquitoes. Um, almost got you. That almost made her spray coffee, and then I could have picked on her about that forever. <laughs> Not that anybody in this church would do that. Um, so the, there were two types of kids. There were there were the kids that dealt with all of that stuff, and by the end of the week, it was like um, it was like miserable. You know, it, you, you wouldn't think they had just had a week of vacation camping. You would have think they had just come out of you know prison. and and they had nothing nice to say about anything, they had nothing nice to say, you know, they just, everybody stood as far away from them as possible. We had one kid the one year, nobody wanted to stay in the tent with him anymore, and so you had people piling up like cordwood in the other tents to stay out of the tent with him, because all he did was complain, um, and gripe, and oh, the ground is too hard, and oh you know, the food isn't good, and oh, I'm tired of freeze-dried this and that, and I'm sick of trying to catch fish, and I'm sick of this, and oh, I can't believe it's raining again, and I can't believe, have any of y'all, do y'all know folks like that? That the moment, (laughs) don't point, um, the moment adversity hits, the first thing they've got is, woe is me, and the second thing they've got is, it's your fault. I mean, it happens, Right? Um, the other half of the kids would get get there, and and no matter what hit them, they enjoyed the heck out of it. Um, they they would be out in the canoes in the rain, and and you know it'd be forty degrees, and you know nobody's got enough warm clothes to to you know keep from sh- shivering and and the whole time, they're just excited to, to, you know, hey, can we just go a little further today? Can we paddle a little further? Hey, is there any way we could stay an extra day? Can I go swimming? Well, no, it's snowing. Don't swim. It's, you know, it's, it's not okay. Um, and and this, this group, every year, I did it for year after year. Every year, this happened. You had half the kids who complained, and you had this other chunk of kids that, no matter what hit them, they they were, you know, better for it. And the other thing, the, the guys who like were better for it. By the end of the week, they all had clumped together and they were closer to each other than they were when they left. Right? I mean, they they had a bond. And and so as we launch into James, we've got this message and one more. We're almost to the end of James, and you're all disappointed. Um, and then we'll start Christmas. Um, and, and, and so as we're launching into sort of this last section of James, um, James is, is um, beginning to wrap up his letter. He's beginning to wrap up the arguments. Um, if this is your first time here in four months um, and you've missed everything else, James was written by a guy named James. <laughs> Very good. Some people paid attention. Um, James was Jesus' half-brother. It was written to a largely Jewish audience. It's a very early letter in the church, like like one of the earlier letters. And it deals with a number of things that are extremely practical um, and and um, talks a lot about the words that come out of our mouth and how we talk to each other and how we talk about each other and what we say in general. And he talks a great deal about money. Um, specifically about the wealthy and about the poor, because in the churches that he's dealing with, there was a tendency to mistreat poor people and treat wealthy people with extra attention. Um, And so James addresses that. And and the other thing that we talked about last week, um, actually for the last two weeks, he he has this issue two weeks ago he, he addressed, or two weeks ago we looked at the section where he addressed, James has been dead for a while, um, we looked at the section where he addresses folks in the church who were just aspiring to get rich right they weren 't concerned about what God had for them they weren 't experienced about they weren 't concerned about um, the expectations or living the life or anything else they just wanted to make money and they were living for today and for the right now and everything else and and so James sort of reasons out with them, hey you know shouldn 't you be focusing on what you're supposed to be focusing on, isn't there sort of a godly wisdom you could apply as opposed to this worldly wisdom you're living by that says get everything you can and if you've got to step on folks along the way, it's cool. Um, Last week we looked at James sort of writing a judgmental text where it's all about wealthy people who are not believers and he says, look, you guys who are out there ripping off your neighbors... And, and cheating folks, and storing up as much as you can for the day. You know, like the, the day of judgment is coming. You're going to stand in front of Jesus, and you're piling stuff up as though you're going to take it with you, and he sort of pronounces judgment on those guys. Now, we move into this last section of this particular argument, right? Um, with the first section of the argument being, keep your wisdom right, chase after God's stuff, not after earthly possessions. The second section of the argument being, Wealthy people, you're in trouble because you're piling up and you're, you're cheating folks, which is a part of what was going on. And, you know, the sermons are online if you want to go listen to them. Like if you have trouble sleeping or, or, or something like that, you know, they're in, what, sermon.net slash cracks. It's in the bulletin. Um, And this week, he sort of transitions into the last part. And I mentioned last week the study material. We have the last study guide for this series sitting in the back if you want to grab it up and read in advance before next week. But the last um, study guide we did two weeks in a row because a lot of people clump these together. They clump the warning and this. Because what James has done here is he's patterning this sermon or this section after Psalm 37. Uh, Read it on your own. It's actually pretty interesting. And you can see where James borrows phrases from one to the next, and he, he's sort of like, anyway. Um, and so what he starts out here, he starts with with this. He, he he says, look, you guys who are rich are in trouble, and then he turns to the church and he says, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. Now, there's a word in there that you may not immediately notice, but brothers, right? He, he's he been using it throughout the letter. Am I already that offensive? Um, <laughs> She doesn't hear well, so she didn't hear me pick on her. Um, he, he's been using it throughout the letter, um, and, and it's sort of an engaging phrase or word. And he stopped using it when he was threatening. In the last two sections, he stops using it. And now he goes back to brothers because he's trying to engage them again. So he you know, lays down the, the, the heavy hand, and now he shifts back, and he's like, Listen, brothers, be patient. Um, well, why are they being patient? Well, because God is coming because Jesus is returning, because his kingdom is coming into the world. And so as they're facing difficulty, they've got folks who are cheating them, right? Um, They've got folks who are mistreating them. They have folks who are um, um, literally crushing the poor in their communities is is one of the things that was the the big social trend, where small farms were gobbled up by giant farms. And all of a sudden you had huge farms, and you had farmers who had been farming for generations who were suddenly working as indentured servants to these big farmers who weren't paying them right. Um, they would sometimes work for, for long periods without getting paid, and James addresses that with a threat. But he says to the people, he says, listen, just be patient. Um, how many of y'all love that word, patience? Anyone? <laughs> it's possibly the worst word in the English language. Um, I, I read that uh, um, I was reading about time periods compared like 30 years ago or 20 years ago, drive through if you went through a drive through the fastest drive through in America was three minutes. Um, and now the fastest drive through in America is just under two minutes. And it's actually kind of annoyed if it takes more than three or four minutes. Have I any of y'all ever done that where you're sitting at McDonald's and you're like, oh my gosh, it's been five minutes, I want my coffee. Um, <laughs> it's just me again. <laughs> or you go to Walmart and you're like, you have 35 cash registers and only one's open. Why do I have to wait for two other people to be rung up? You know, we we sort of are an impatient culture. And so as James starts in on this, he says, patience, be patient, folks. Um, He's saying it because... um, because patience requires that we trust that God is going to take things and make them right. Doesn't it? I mean, patience isn't sitting around and saying, someone will do it for me. It's saying... I want to do this, or I want things to be this way, but it's not that way yet, but God is going to do it. Everybody with me? Patience is rooted in assurance. And so we may experience pain in this life, right? We may experience loss. We may experience hurt. We may experience, like, frustration that other people are mistreating us or cheating us or whatever. Um, but ultimately, patience is backing up and saying, God is going to make it right. Is he going to make it right in this lifetime? Maybe. Maybe. But there's also a maybe not, right? It may be the case that God will not make it right in this lifetime. But there's a therefore in the sentence, right? Therefore is one of those words that we look at and it means, oh, this is linked to the previous argument. And what God is saying is wealthy folks who are cheating these Christians, wealthy people who are robbing these Christians, you're in trouble. God's going to make it right and you're not going to like it. And he says to the Christians, hey, God's going to make it right, but you're going to have to wait, right? Anybody like waiting? (laughs) No one? Or is everyone asleep already? Um, See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until he receives the early rains and the late rains. Um, I have not farmed, and I'm terrible at gardening, right? The only thing I know is that my lawn grows too fast. Is there any way to make wheat grow faster? Anyone? Can you yell at it? Can you hope real hard? (laughs) Is there a special machine? Can you like steal an air drill from a local lot and, you know, extra air drilling and that'll that'll make things grow faster? Does it work that way? Not at all. Extra fertilizer. That'll make stuff grow faster. It does. Better, not faster. fact of the matter is that like, farmers should be the most patient people in the entire world because you put that stuff in the ground and sometimes it doesn't grow until next year, right? And the reality is that you've got to back up and trust that God's going to make that stuff grow or it ain't going to, right? Actually, trust him or not, it's going to grow or it, it isn't. I mean, you know, you can be impatient. It ain't going to make it grow any faster. James is saying, look, and he's writing to farmers, so it's sort of obvious. He says, you guys, when you farm, um, you've got to wait for it to grow. you just got to. And ultimately, when we trust that God is going to take care of stuff, when we trust that God is going to do the right thing by us, when we trust that God is going to even the scales, what we're doing is we're waiting, right? Um, We're waiting and saying, well, God is going to make this right. Um, God is going to make it rain or he isn't, right? And actually, that early rain and late rain thing is borrowed from the Old Testament. It's a prophetic phrase that refers to God's provision. Like it's this idea that, oh, well, God's going to make it rain. He's going to bring it. Um, and we just have to trust he's going to do it. This morning, well, let me come back to that. Um, You also be patient. Establish your heart for the coming of the Lord is at hand. So he says, listen, just like the farmers are waiting for their wheat, just like the farmers are waiting for their grain, you also should wait and be patient and trust that God's going to take care of you. Establish your heart. This is like stand firm in some translations. What it basically means is, it's not just... I don't know. I, I, I find like Abby, my little girl, will ask for something. And, and if I say, I'm in the middle of this, hold on a second. What does she do? Jess, what does she do? She goes... Actually, if, if I wait long enough, but I'll be like changing the baby's diaper. And she comes in, and she says, Dad, I want some apple juice. I say, well, I'm kind of busy at the moment. I'll get apple juice when I'm done. And she immediately... Asks again, Dad, where's my apple juice? Dad, why haven't you gotten my apple juice? Well, I'm covered in your brother's waist. Come on. Give me a second here. Dad, why don't I have my apple juice? Dad, you haven't got my apple juice yet. That's my favorite. <laughs> um, and then she goes and asks Mom, Mom, where's my apple juice? I don't have apple juice. Nobody's giving me apple juice. Because she is not patient, right? Little kids are not patient. I, Lori's laughing because she's dealt with her. <laughs> But the reality is that patience is not this magic thing that appears. It's something that happens as we prepare our hearts for the reality that we may have to wait for things, right? And it's not fun, but it's backing up and looking and reassuring ourselves constantly, sometimes, God is going to come through. God is going to make this right. Um, Jess was saying um, this morning, she she has that on Facebook, that, what's it called, time-lapse? Yeah, time hop that brings back your posts from years ago and says, Hey, remember when? You know, and it'll put up this like, Hey, remember when you got this dog last year? Or, you know, Hey, remember when you were out for dinner and you posted this picture? This morning it was, um, what was the phrase? It was uh, Jess, Jessica and the no good, awful, really bad day. Um, and it was, we had we had gone for our first ultrasound with our first baby and there was no heartbeat. And, it, like, we, I don't even, I don't even remember, like, three days after that. I know we were in Texas all of a sudden. And I remember a lot of driving. But it was, like, the worst week ever, right? Like, like it was awful. And, and I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, I remember some folks would say to us, oh, well, you'll just get pregnant again. Like, well, thanks. You know, <laughs> um, and, and I remember just saying, um, well, I remember a lot of things in there. Um, Jess was commenting, when she read that this morning, it made her tear up again, right? Like, we're not happy, you know, we, this is our baby and we lost it, right? And, and one of the things that somebody said to me, I had a pastor that said to me, um, he had lost his 16-year-old daughter, and he said, you know what, this kind of thing makes it so that you have to, like, like, I need heaven to be real because I need my 16-year-old back, and I'm getting her back when I go to heaven. And he said, you're in the same boat now, you, you lost a baby, You know, and you were hoping for it, you were excited for it, and it doesn't mean that baby didn't exist. It means that baby is, you know, is waiting. And we get to be patient. (laughs) It's crummy, right? Um, ultimately anything we lose, anything we hurt over, anything that is wrong, God does make it right. God is faithful to those who are faithful, right? God is faithful to those who trust in him. He doesn't he doesn't, you know, just let his promises go. But sometimes he takes his time. And he takes his time for a reason. And honestly, as much as, like, it hurts me, Jess said it this morning, um, or put it on Facebook, as much as it hurts that that happened, we wouldn't have Abby if we had had that baby. And I couldn't imagine a life without her, right? Uh, Mainly because she's so talkative and you can't think. Anyway, um, he says, listen, so the day for the coming of the day of the Lord is at hand. he's saying, listen, be patient. And as you're patient, look forward. Because the day is coming. God is not like slow. God is not going to like, like abandon you. God is not dawdling because he doesn't care. Um, God is doing things his way, and you need to trust him. Um, Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Now, there are some folks who think this is a diversion, where James all of a sudden just sort of tacks in a phrase from nowhere. What he's actually talking about is um, how we respond. Now, check this out. Um, There are people who experience difficulty, like my kids in the canoe in the rain, right? And I remember we had one girl who threw her paddle down, crossed her arms, and said, I am not paddling any further. And I said, good luck, and I paddled away. (laughs) And I stopped at the next portage, and I had lunch, and I watched her sit out there <laughs> with her arms crossed. I am not paddling any further. Guess, guess what? She eventually had picked that thing up and paddled, right? Um, some folks will do that, though. They'll throw everything down, and they'll say, I am not going any further, right? Some of us will lose, and some of us will hurt. And instead of like looking to God and saying, as miserable as this is, God is going to make it right. As much as I'm hurting over this loss, as much as I'm frustrated, as much as I'm strained, as much as I'm tempted, God is going to come through. And there are folks who, when they face that, they got nothing nice to say to anyone and, and the world turns to lemons for them, right? Some of you all probably know people like that. One major strike and, and it changes the course of their life and it just becomes like, they're, they're like a bad smell in the room. You know, um, I I knew a, I knew a young man who's, he had an older brother who was killed um, in a car accident. And the mother um, preserved his room, which I don't really blame her, but she turned into a museum. And, and probably twice a week she would tell her younger son how much she wished it was him instead of her, you know, the older son. Like, this is a person who in response to hurt, she just took all that pain and bundled it up and turned it on everyone else, Right. And that's a person, ultimately, who isn't looking at eternity and saying, my son is waiting for me. That's a person who's sitting in their hurt and saying, I don't care who you are, but I'm going to hurt you too. Because I'm going to share the joy, right? What James is directing believers toward is, as much as you hurt, as much as this is miserable, as much as this is awful, um, turn and praise God and recognize he's going to fix it. Recognize that he's going to take care of you recognize that he is true to his promises and and you know praise him because of it um i i i can't say that strongly enough we can sit in our hurts and die like spiritually wither up and become nothing or we can face trial and difficulty and we can grow into him we can praise god in our time of difficulty um was it Job is about to come up again, and actually we'll come to him in a second. All right. As an example of suffering patience, suffering and patience, brother, take the prophets who spoke the name of the, who spoke in the name of the Lord. Um, there was this period between the end of Malachi, the last book in the New Testament or Old Old Testament, and Matthew, the first book in the New Testament, where it's called the Intertestamental period because it happens between the Old Testament and the New Testament, right? And it was a very popular thing for folks to sit around and discuss difficulty, and they would point to the prophets. And this was actually a whole genre of literature where people were like, hey, remember the prophets, and like, there are all sorts of things we know about the prophets that are from that period, like Isaiah, longest prophet in the old testament, longest prophetic book. Isaiah, at the end of his ministry, the king in the city that he was was ministering in kind of got sick of him, so he dragged him out, put him inside of a hollow log, and had the logs on in half. Um, it was not a very good ending for him and and but isaiah like like was this guy who experienced all kinds of difficulty, and he talked right about God the whole time, right. Um, He talked right about who Jesus was the whole time. Um, Jeremiah uh, comes after Isaiah, and um, Jeremiah lived in a hole in the ground for a while because the, the king said, well, I'm tired of you talking bad about me. Throw him in the prison, and they tossed him into a cistern, a well, and they put a grate over the top of it, and he lived in a well, and he still talked about God. Couldn't make that guy shut up, like my kids. Um, <laughs> but, but the whole time, what they said was, listen, God is going to make it right. Listen, God is coming. Listen, turn your hearts toward him. Um, and so as James points to this as an example, what he's saying isn't, you know, hey, we should go out like the prophets and pronounce judgment on anyone. Our words to say are about Jesus, right? God sent his son to die for us. To set right the brokenness and the sin and the, the the misery in the world. Like through Christ's blood, everything is redeemed, right? Everything will be made right and we know it's true because Jesus came back. Like he was crucified, he was buried, and he rose again on the third day. And that third day resurrection thing, like Paul tells us over and over again, that this is the first fruits. This is proof that everything will come back and it will come back redeemed. And so as... Like us, as we experience suffering, we can sit around and we can gripe and we can complain. We can have nothing nice to say and we can say, I, you know, I wish it had been anything other than this. Or we can back up and say, you know what, as much as I'm miserable... Jesus is making this right. There's a resurrection coming and there's proof because Christ took my, my sin and Christ took the sin of the world and God has mercy because of it. And so I tell you today, as a man with hope, like we five years ago today, we found out we lost our baby and it, it, you know, it kind of sucks, right? Like, but I know there's a resurrection and I know God will make it right. And I know everybody sitting in this room who's had loss and who's watched family members die and who's, who's been stripped of things and who's been humiliated and everything else. God is going to make it right because Jesus re- was was resurrected, because Jesus took it all and came back, and that's it. Um, and so what is James calling us to do as believers? We're to stand around and we're, we're to point to Christ and say, it's going to be better. It's going to be right. And we just have to wait patiently for it to happen. Patience isn't just about being able to stand still and hold your breath while the line at Walmart doesn't move. That's not what patience is. Patience is being able to stand still and say, this is part of God's deal and I just need to trust him. And I just need to believe he's going to come through on his promises. Is it easy? No. Is it instant? No, it's a daily effort. It's something that we put energy and time into. It's a product of prayer, and it's a product of faith. Um, Behold, this is verse 11, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. All right, has anybody read Job? Does Job sit quietly with his arms folded and say... It's all good. I just need to wait it out. He does for for the first two pages, and then everything gets worse. Um, And and there's a lot of folks who will read this, and I read a few commentaries on it and a couple of essays, this verse, and a lot of folks are like, well, wait a minute. Job wasn't all that steadfast. All he did was complain, right? Um, But what Job did in his complaining is significant. Job got mad at God, yes, but in the end, Job said, but you know what? I know God is going to do right by me. I just need to get, get face-to-face with him, and we need to discuss it, and once I plead my case, it'll be right. All I need to do, and he He never once said, God is going to abandon me. Sometimes he said God wasn't fair, right? But the whole time he maintained his innocence, and he said, God will make this right. He, he just needs to get down here so I can tell him why. Um, does that mean that, like, like, what does that mean for us? It means, first off, um, even if we sit in difficulty, it's okay for us to be in pain and to say it, right? I know folks who will swallow hurt and pretend like everything's okay until like, they, they get crushed like an egg, kind of, right? <laughs> um, what Job did was, and what we're allowed to do, we are allowed to, to suffer and to cry out. But at the end of the day, in our suffering and our crying out, we're to look forward and say... You know my god is my god is my God is going to take care of me my God hasn 't abandoned me um, that 's what steadfastness is about, right? It means we stay upright even though we may wobble and struggle, but we stay upright um, because I know that God is going to come through on his purposes, and I know that God is compassionate and merciful. by the way, how do I know it? I know it because of Jesus um, last verse in this section, and actually this is a funny one. Because this is a verse that sort of acts as a transition between the last arguments in this book and this one. And a lot of people aren't sure like if it should go in this section or in the next section. I'm including it here and probably the next one. <laughs> but I'm doing it for a reason. Watch this. But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath. Let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. This is a quote from the Sermon on the Mount, right? Um, what does it mean? Oh, of course it means don't swear on stuff, right? No, that's an easy way to read it, but it's an overly simple way to read it. What it means is if you have to stand up and swear, you're not telling the truth, like at least half the time. Um, I, I remember we would meet these these violent kids and they would start threatening you. And like I've been threatened, oh my gosh, I've been threatened so much and so creatively. And these these tough, you know, guys would come out and on my grandmother's grave, I'm going to break you <laughs> or I'm going to fight you and, and on and on and on and on and on. Why do they have to swear on everything under the sun? Because I know they're not going to do anything. Because I know nothing's going to happen. Because I know it's not going to play out. If I have to swear on something, my word is worthless. Because I've got to look for other stuff to give weight to my word. Got it? Like if I have to say, I swear on the Bible, honey. I swear on heaven that I'm telling you the truth. It's probably the case that I've told enough lies that she knows I'm not telling the truth. (laughs) Does that make sense? And so part of what James does here is he talks about... Um, you know, talks about language a great deal in this. And he says, listen, be strong and be steadfast and trust that God's going to come through and wait patiently because he's going to come through. And he says, make sure that your words don't turn sour and you don't turn on each other, right? And then he says, make sure in the whole thing that your yes is yes and your no is no. Make sure in the whole thing that the words that come out of your mouth are the truth. So if you say you're going to do something, do it. If you say you trust God, trust him. If you say... You know, When people look at you, they need to know that you're telling the truth, right? They need to know you're going to come through. Um, it is so easy in difficulty to blow that off, isn't it? It's so easy to let go of your integrity when you're too busy or when you're hurting. It's so easy. To, honestly, it's easy to turn on people when you're miserable, isn't it? I swear to you, I, I can have a stressful day at work and come home and let it all out on my family. Or am I the only one who's ever done that? <laughs> the what? <laughs> not not in sermons. It gets me in trouble. Um, the 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 point here is: um, in all of this weight that's crushing you, make sure that what's coming out of your mouth is a reflection of who you are. Right. If you have to start like becoming someone else, if you have to start being dishonest, or if you demonstrate yourself to not really trust God, or if you demonstrate yourself to be dishonest in this stuff, like, like you're failing in it, right? The condemnation that comes isn't because we're lying; it's because our hearts have gotten so lost that the words that come out of our mouth don't reflect who Jesus is, right? Like the moment that happens, it's a bad sign. Um, what are we supposed to do with this? Um, As we face difficulty, as we experience trial, as we experience uncertainty, we're supposed to trust in God's promises. As we look around and we look and say, oh, wow, this guy is really cheating me, or this guy is really mistreating me, or this guy is really, like, taking advantage of the world, or I hate these politicians, or I hate these guys, or this company's evil, or this. We back up and we realize God is going to take care of it, right? I may struggle, I may suffer, I may cry out to Him, but at the end of the day, patience is about trusting that God is going to come through. Trusting that God is going to even the scales. And actually trusting that God is compassionate enough and merciful enough that He's going to forgive me through His Son, right? Because if God really evens the scales, all of us are in trouble, right? He evens the scales for righteousness and for His glory. Um, He forgives us. God willing, he'll forgive other folks, um, but we know that he'll make it right in the end. Let's uh, close in prayer. I don't. Did we do all the songs? Okay. Let's close in prayer and and um, we'll we'll complete with a blessing this morning. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with us. I pray that in in frustration, in difficulty, in fear, in, in temptation, in times when in times when we can't even hardly feel like we're going to get out of bed in the morning because because everything just aches so bad, Um, I pray that you would give us the ability that you would fill us with your spirit in a way that we can trust on you, Um, that we can believe that you're going to follow through and do right, that we believe that your promises are are good promises and that you'll be faithful to them. I pray that you would fill us with your spirit in that way. In Christ's name, amen. We're going to close with the.